Well, good morning. We are so glad you're here. If you're joining us online, welcome. We are glad that you decided to join us this morning. We're honored by your presence. Uh, the chili cook-off, I know it's been mentioned multiple times. It happened last night. I bragged on my wife, and then she slipped up and didn't bring her A-game and didn't win. So haven't ever been in one. She hadn't won before, but didn't even place top three last night, so I don't know what to tell you. Uh, she was mad at me, but... <laughs> She was mad at me before, but guess who's mad at me now? Still her, so there we go. Uh, I had a great time. Uh, it was a lot of fun. I hope next time we do something like that, uh, we'll have even more show up. But we had a great crowd. I was a little worried about the atmosphere this morning, I'm not going to lie. Uh, chili is one of those foods that fights back. So um, hopefully you all are doing okay. Uh, not struggling as much as you could be this morning. Now, uh, we are going to continue our discussion on the Trinity by talking about God, the Holy Spirit. And today, my desire is for you to see the continuity of God, right, that we see throughout Scripture. We see first the works of God himself, then the works of Christ the Son, and then the work of the Holy Spirit. And uh, if you, you know, kind of have ever studied the Trinity, you know that the work of the Holy Spirit is the work of the Son, and the work of the Son is the work of God the Father. And, uh, you know, the Trinity is often represented uh, in a triangle, and I've talked about that a little bit. We're usually with God at, at the top, right, and then the Son and the Holy Spirit. But I've never really liked that because triangles kind of have these definitive points, right, where there's almost like an ending before uh, the next side begins. And I really think that a circle is more appropriate uh, because I think throughout Scripture you see this continuity. There's not really a beginning and end to where God is working and the Spirit is working and the Son is working. Uh, it's all really three in one. We have the Godhead, right? The Godhead. If you've ever been in church before, you've probably heard that term, the Godhead three in one. We have Father, Son, and the Spirit. Now, our statement in our core beliefs on the Holy Spirit says the Holy Spirit is the final person of the Trinity, God with us. The Spirit calls all people to repent of their sin and is gifted to everyone who has repented and surrendered their life to Jesus. Through the Spirit, God equips his believers and guides them to truth so that they can fulfill the plan God has for them. As Christians, it is the presence of the Holy Spirit that gives us power, boldness, comfort, security, and resistance to sin. So I want to start today by exploring kind of the gifting of the Spirit. In John uh, chapter 14, verses 15 through 21, we are told, If you love me, you will keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Yet a little while, and the world will see me no more. But you will see me, because I live, you also will live. In that day you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. So Jesus makes it pretty clear in this passage that those who submit themselves to Jesus will receive the Spirit. Those who submit themselves to Jesus will receive the Spirit. Now, salvation isn't the only gracious gift of God that comes our way. The Spirit is promised. It's a promise to those who keep the commands of Christ, which are 
the commands of the Father. The Spirit is a forever helper, a forever helper. I know in the passage, uh, Spirit of Truth, will not receive, I'm, I'm trying, will give you another helper. Oftentimes, uh, that's translated as counselor. Helper is oftentimes translated as counselor, someone who kind of walks you through the day-to-day of life. The Spirit takes the physical role of Jesus, right? Because Jesus leaves the earth. He says, yet in a little while you will have me no longer. He's talking about his ascension. He will be going to heaven, but he's not going to leave us as orphans. He will be coming back. But until he comes back, he provides this Spirit, this helper for us. Okay? It takes the physical role of Jesus, but I want to be clear, not the place of Jesus. Rather, this is a gifting, a continuation of the work of Christ in all who believe, which is expressed there in verse 18. We will not be abandoned by Christ. Right? Verse 18, we will not be abandoned by Christ because the Holy Spirit, which is the Spirit of Christ, which is the same Spirit of God, the Father, lives within us inside of us. That's why Jesus can say that he is in his father and we are in him and he is in us. We have the spirit as that day-to-day helper to walk us through the trials of life. The spirit is Christ's way of being tangible to believers once he physically left earth. He may have physically left, but he didn't actually ever leave any single one of us. Christ manifests himself, literally makes himself known to believers through the Spirit. In fact, Christ explains in John that one of the benefits of his departure from this earth would be the introduction of the Spirit to act on his behalf. In John 16, 5 through 11, says, I did not say these things to you from the beginning because I was with you. But now I am going to him who sent me. And none of you ask me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment concerning sin because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and you will see me no longer. Concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. You know, in these words to his disciples, Christ is offering some encouragement. Because while they really didn't fully understand what Jesus was talking about, they began to understand that his words at least let them know that he would be departing from them. And I don't know what they were expecting. Maybe like he would travel to a far distant place and he just wouldn't take them with him, which is kind of actually what happened, right? He ascends to heaven and they stay here on earth. But they are filled with sorrow. They're filled with sorrow. And the reason is because he just has recently explained that he's not long for the world, that he will be overcome by the world's hatred for him. And this causes a depressive state among the 12 who are focusing in this moment on their loss rather than what they in the world will gain. And so Christ is offering encouragement to them to tell them, listen, when I leave, I'm going to send the helper to you and the helper will be beneficial to you. This will be to your advantage because while you can't always necessarily be with me, 
The helper will and can always be with you at all times. And so in this, we see kind of the benefit of Christ ascending to heaven. Not only is he ascending because his job, his task here on earth is through, which is to sacrifice himself and spill his blood so that our sins can be forgiven. He has also conquered death so that we might live, right? He spends some time on the earth after he rises from the grave, raises, rises, oh, I'm going to choose rises, rises from the grave, right? And then he ascends to heaven and leaves behind this spirit of him, the living God, right? The spirit, God with us. And the spirit comes after this moment, we're told in this passage, to lead others to repentance, The Spirit convicts us of sin, and that's necessary so that all of us might experience forgiveness and life, which is what Christ won for us on the cross and by raising from the grave. One of the Spirit's main roles is to convict believers and unbelievers of sin. The main role, one of the main roles of the Spirit, again, is to convict believers and unbelievers of sin. Jesus tells us that the Spirit He is sending in John 15, 26, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father will bear witness about me. So not only will the Spirit convict others of their sin, but it will lead them to the truth about who Christ was. You see, Christ died not because He was doing bad things, not because He was evil, but because the world didn't recognize Him as the Son of God. They didn't see Him as who He truly was. And so the world at that time saw Him as the enemy, saw Him as blasphemous, saw Him as trying to lead them to destruction. They didn't understand. And I think one of the greatest things about Jesus is he didn't say, hey, to heck with you, right? He didn't leave and say, forget you guys. He said, no, the spirit will come and will bear testimony to me. It will testify about who I am. It will tell the truth. The spirit of truth will will make it known to the world who I am so that they might experience the forgiveness and life that they're missing out on when they didn't understand. I think that that is so powerful, so incredibly powerful. The spirit testifies to the true, real existence of Christ. But wait. There's more, right? Wait, there's more. We're going to talk through a couple things now. Okay, I've got some number. I don't even know how many. I mean, four, five, six. There's four. We're going to talk about four things. This is not an exhaustive list, okay? I want to be clear. This isn't like the end-all, be-all. It's not like there's not more that accomplished. But I want to talk to you about four things, four advantages we have because the Spirit is with us, okay? And the first one goes hand-to-hand with what we just said. The Spirit reveals the truth. The Spirit reveals the truth. Satan by just definition of his character, will confuse and distort the truth at every turn if we let him. Satan will lie to you over and over and over again. He will tell you lies. And if he can make you believe those lies, he has won. He has won. He will tell you you're not worthy. He will tell you you're not loved. He will tell you you're not able. He will just tell you lie after lie. And in doing so, in telling us those lies, he makes God seem far away. He makes our problems seem too big for God to handle. But the spirit, this helper that has stayed with us, 
delivers the truth in times when we are struggling to remain true. The Spirit delivers truth to us in the times where we are struggling to remain true. Remember, Christ tells us that the Helper will testify to us about Him. So when Satan tells us we're not loved, the Spirit says, not so fast. God does love you. Loves you so much, in fact, that he sent his son to die for you. His son loves you so much, in fact, that he willingly went to the cross to die for you. The Spirit reveals the truth to us about who Christ is. The Spirit also sustains us. Number two, the Spirit sustains us. Not only does the Spirit reveal the truth about Christ, but it also sustains us in the wisdom and the power of Christ. Philippians 3.3 says, For we are the circumcision who worship by the Spirit of God, the glory in Christ Jesus, and put no confidence in the flesh. We are able to persevere knowing that we do not rely on our own abilities or wherewithal. You see, Paul writes these words to a church who is surrounded by Jewish believers who firmly believe that in order to be right with God, to have a relationship with God, you need to mutilate the body. You need to be circumcised. But Paul wants them to be clear that we are circumcised in spirit, not in flesh. We don't rely on earthly things. We don't rely on our own merits. We don't rely on our own ways and abilities. No, we have the Spirit of Christ. Christ has provided all that we need in order to have this relationship with God. So we worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus because we have no confidence in the flesh, because the flesh fails. But God does not. We lean wholly on the name of Jesus and what he has accomplished for us. And I think that's pretty special. I think that's pretty special. In those times when momentary trials overwhelm, the spirit is what leads us back to Christ. And we don't have to rely on ourselves. And that's a good thing because I'm a screw up who, who fails quite often, right? Where my flesh may fail, my God, you never will. It's one of my favorite worship songs. Number three, the Spirit instills confidence in us. The Spirit instills confidence in us. 1 Peter 4.14 says, If you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed because the Spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. Right? Here's a, here, here's a truth that, that Peter kind of delivers in this moment. We don't face persecution if we don't reflect Christ. You don't face persecution if you don't reflect Christ. If you've never had somebody kind of question your beliefs or think you're an idiot or talk bad about you or this, that, and the other for your faith, you might want to think about that a little bit. Because persecution exists because the spirit of glory and God rest upon you and the world can't recognize that. The world is opposite to that. They haven't listened to the testimony of the spirit yet to know its truth. And so you will face persecution. Persecution is part of walking with Christ. John 15, 19 through 20 says, if you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. 
Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will also keep yours. You see, we are able to remain in Christ in times of persecution because the spirit of Christ rests on us. That's where peace beyond all understanding is given and delivered because Christ is in his father and his father is in him and he is in us through the Holy Spirit. And because he is in us, we can push through any type of trial or tribulation and continue in our confidence that Christ still is and always has been and always will be good. He is good. The Spirit allows us to see that losing here on earth is worth gaining everything in eternity. I'm going to say it one more time. The Spirit allows us to see that losing here on earth is worth gaining everything in eternity. Number four, last but not least, the Spirit gives us the courage to fight the good fight. The Spirit gives us the courage to fight the good fight. Romans 8, 15 through 17 says, you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we might also be glorified with him. You see, we have no reason to be slaves to fear. Why? Because we have been set free. You've been set free. You've been set free from the chains of this world that would bind you and restrict you and tell you that you are not worthy, that you are not good, that you are not righteous. And hear me, those things in and of themselves are true, but God, right? We are not good. We are not worthy. We are not righteous. But we have turned our lives over to Christ. And because we have turned our lives over to the Christ, the Spirit is in us and the Spirit testifies to our adoption as sons and daughters of a living God. And because we are heirs to the same gifting, giving graciousness that is in Christ, I mean, I don't even really know how to say it, but because we are equated to Christ, through the suffering that we experience, just like the suffering he experienced, we can be glorified with Christ. You see, adoption, adoption in and of itself does not say, Here, here's my child, and then here's those I adopted, right? Here are my children. If you've ever been around an adoptive parent, they don't introduce their kids and say, this is you know, my son, Billy, and here's my adopted kid, George, right? Here are my children. These are my children. They're my children. And I love this child as if they came from me. It's my child, right? I would suggest never telling an adoptive parent that that's not their child. You might get punched in the face, and deservedly so. Well, God sees us in that same way. 
He sees us in that same way. He doesn't look at others and say, here's Jesus, my son, and then here are my other kids. He says, these are my sons and my daughters. And if God is our father, then we have no reason to fear. And as children, we are heirs to what God has given Christ and what he has given Christ has been given to us. And so through the spirit, we have the power of God, we have the presence of God, and we have the privileges of sonship. If God is for us, then who can be against us? No one, right? That's a rhetorical question. If he takes care of the birds of the field and the lilies or the birds of the air and the lilies of the field, sometimes birds are in a field, how much more so will he take care of us? Infinitely, infinitely, without end. This is what we have in God through Christ. And we are constantly reminded of it, encouraged by it, empowered because of it, because the Spirit has been given to us and rests in us. The Holy Spirit is the final person of the Trinity, God with us. The Spirit calls all people to repent of their sin and is gifted to everyone who has repented and surrendered their life to Jesus. Through the Spirit, God equips His believers and guides them to truth so they can fulfill the plan God has for them. As Christians, it is the presence of the Holy Spirit that gives us power, boldness, comfort, security, and resistance to sin. The Spirit is as active today as God has been at any other time in history because the Spirit is God. The Spirit is God. As a pastor, I'm often asked a question, why don't we see God work in the same way that he worked in the Bible? And I have to not laugh at people when they ask me that, and I try to say this encouragingly, not belittlingly, because to me, God is as active today, if not more so than he ever has been, because the Spirit of God rests in each one of his believers. All of us have that still small voice we have been taught through society to call our conscience, right? That's the spirit of God. That's the spirit of God moving in us every single day. I firmly believe that. And those of us that know God recognize that voice as the spirit of God leading us in our day-to-day -day life. And those that struggle to listen to their conscience or seem to have no conscience, that exists because they don't know God. They haven't listened to the testimony that the Spirit is giving in their life. But every time you do something that's a little off and you hear that voice that says, that wasn't okay, or you should apologize for that, or when you're having trouble making a decision and you just feel like, yeah, I should go this way. We have a helper. It's with us at all times. It's active every single day. Multiple times a day, we hear that voice lead us in a certain direction. That's the Spirit of God. When I'm teaching a, a group of 38th graders who are just, got to be honest, barely human, um, and if you've ever been around them, you kind of know that's true. And you also know to expect that because they're guys, they just got so much going on. 
like just outwardly things. Life is hard. Uh, you know, you walk to school uphill both ways in the snow. Um, it, it's worse for them somehow. I, I don't add something to that. It's wor- But like, I got to tell you, the things that they have thrown at them, the access they have to evil is right at their fingertips at all time. Uh, it, it, they are just constantly under the microscope, right? Constantly under pressure. And so at times, uh, they are just savages. They're just savages because on top of all that, they just have like the hormones and just everything. And I'm just like constantly karate, right? Like, hey, you're too close space, right? But there are times in my day, this will shock you, where I uh, don't handle things well, where like, you know, they're savages and I'm like, hey, I'm naturally a savage too. Watch this, right? And it's in those times where that voice comes in and is like, hey, you should apologize for that. You should, you should, you know what I mean? You, you need to correct that. That was wrong. I can't imagine not having a relationship with God and being a teacher. I just can't. I don't know how they do it. I don't know how they do, how, have no relationship with God and, and deal with the ins and outs of being a teacher because I have that correction sometimes on a minute by minute basis. I'm like, yep, shouldn't have said that, shouldn't have done that, shouldn't have, you know, that I was mad not because of them, but actually because of me, and I took it out on them, and I need to apologize and, you know, show my imperfection and, and kind of testify to, hey, not all adults are awful and evil and unapologetic. I'm just awful and evil, but then I'll apologize, you know? But, like, I, I, I use that example because that's my day-to-day, but we all have those moments, Right? We all have those moments. The spirit is with us. It is in us. It is actively moving. That is God at work. That is God at work. And we have to listen. We have to listen. We have to understand that God is moving. I'm way over time, so I'm going to pray. But uh, I feel like I could say more. Okay, I could say more. I'm not going to right now, but here we go. Let's pray, shall we? Lord, I come to you right now, and I thank you so much for this day. God, I am so thankful. I am so thankful that you sent your son, and I'm so thankful that when your son left this earth because he accomplished his work here on earth, God, that you continued to use him through the Spirit, right? That, 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 that we see you continue to move, not just what you did uh, in Scripture, not just what Christ did in Scripture, but God, we see this continuity of just action, because you left a helper for us. You left a counselor for us. You left an ever-present spirit, and that spirit is your spirit. And so at all times, we have you. And I think, God, that sometimes because of the situations we face in life and the struggles that we face in life, we fail to see that. We fail to lean on that. We fail at times to understand that. And God, that's when this world becomes overwhelming because we listen to Satan. We listen to the lies he tells us. We, we, we buy in to, to what it is that he has said and forget about what it is that you have said. But God, we need to remember that at all times when we have submitted ourselves to you, you are at work and you are present. You are resting on us. You are resting on us and you are encouraging us and you are giving boldness and you are convicting us and you are leading us You are leading us to still waters. You are leading us continually to peace, to equilibrium, which is to be right with you. God, I am 
in this moment just here to express thanks for that. I don't do that enough. I don't thank you enough for being with me at all times. I don't thank you enough, God, for for getting me through just the day to day. Lord, we see things happen all the time that we consider to be the miraculous, and they are miraculous. But we we fail at times to see the miraculous happening in our own life because we think it's not happening to the same scale. But your spirit is just constantly flowing. Constantly flowing, constantly filling, constantly correcting, constantly loving. And it's just like you, constant. And we owe you a debt of gratitude for that. And so, Lord, here in a few moments, we're going to stand and we're going to worship and we're going to thank you. And may you receive that offering of praise and may it be beautiful to your ear thank you in jesus name we pray amen